This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, where you can meet like-minded people fighting for a new vision of aging. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. The latest round of cuts to the number of scheduled flights is meant to improve the situation in our airports. But what will it do to your holiday? And a novel theory about Alzheimer's disease could lead to breakthroughs in treatment. What if Alzheimer's is actually an autoimmune disease? But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Researchers, including relatives of Emmett Till, the 14-year-old black boy who was abducted and murdered in Mississippi in 1955, have discovered an unserved arrest warrant for the white woman whose accusations led to his gruesome death. The woman, Carolyn Bryant Donham, was never charged. According to the New York Times, she is now in her 80s and living in North Carolina. The document was found in the basement of a courthouse in Greenwood, Mississippi. Advocates say they hope it will provide the basis for a new investigation. The Vatican has released thousands of letters from Jews begging for help during the Holocaust, written between 1938 and 1944 and previously unreleased to the general public. The letters reveal the desperation and fear of those caught up in the Holocaust. In total, 170 volumes containing almost 3,000 individual appeals will be published online. UK drivers who kill could receive life sentences as part of the changes that came into effect this week. Judges can now hand down life sentences to dangerous drivers who kill and careless drivers who kill while under the influence of alcohol or drugs. The previous penalty for each crime was a maximum prison sentence of 14 years. The new law applies to England, Scotland and Wales, but not Northern Ireland. Here's a counterpoint to all the bad news about inflation and the high cost of living across the country. It's all relative. According to Mercer's annual ranking of the world's most expensive cities, only one Canadian location is in the top 100. It's Toronto, and it comes in at number 89. Hong Kong is the world's most expensive city, Zurich is number 2, and New York is number 7. The last remaining Medal of Honor recipient from World War II has died at age 98. Herschel W. Woody Williams died this week at the Veteran Affairs Medical Center bearing his name in Huntington, West Virginia. As a young Marine corporal, Williams went ahead of his unit during the Battle of Iwo Jima in the Pacific Ocean in February 1945 and eliminated a series of Japanese machine gun positions. Later that year, the 22-year-old Williams received the Medal of Honor from President Harry Truman, the nation's highest award for military valor. 
I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Air Canada is cancelling dozens of daily flights in an attempt to alleviate the chaos at our airports. The move will see more than 9,500 flights, or 154 a day, dropped from the airline's schedule, and it will affect about 400,000 passengers. The flights are mainly domestic and Canada-U.S. routes out of Toronto and Montreal. So what does it mean for your holiday? I talked with travel expert Vivian Vassos, executive editor of Zoomer magazine. We have chaos in the airports, and we've learned that in one attempt to cope with it, Air Canada is canceling 15% of their flights, over 100 flights a day. I'm sure a lot of people are saying, uh, I don't want to go anywhere near an airport or take a flight. And I think there were a lot of reasons maybe not to do that in the last two years. The flights that they're concentrating on are frequency flights. So, for example, there's 10 flights to New York a day. Now there's only going to be eight. There's 12 flights to Montreal a day. Now there's going to be 10. So they're really trying to focus on clawing back those flights that it might not affect us as, as, as we might think. So I think... If you're more flexible, which is what we've been talking about for two years, and you're able to sort of switch and and sort of go at the 10 a.m. flight rather than the noon flight, there is there are still lots of opportunities to fly. A lot of people, myself included, saying, I think I'll take a driving holiday this summer. Well, I think, too, there's a bit of good news on that front because in Ontario, the prices will be dropping in July. Uh, the tax credit is coming into play. So, there, I mean, it's still going to be a buck ninety a, a liter. I think when you're talking about a family four, if you want to get into the car and drive, it makes a lot more sense than trying to get onto a plane where now you will have limited, more limited options flying between uh, Canadian airports and U.S. airports. It's really domestic and U.S. that the that the Air Canada cutbacks are affecting, not so much international. But I think it's still maybe a more affordable option. I mean, I also think people should consider taking the train. Do you have some suggestions about where we should take the train to? Via Rail is really improving the Windsor right through to Quebec City corridor. There, we're going to be seeing more more uh, high speed trains are going to be coming soon. A lot more availability crossing the border on the train from Toronto to Detroit, for example. If you want to go to the art shows or the or concerts, there are, are very easy right now, very seamless. And the thing about the train um, that I love is that even though we need more time which is why a lot of us take planes. It's just you get there more quickly. It's fast. With the train, you have Wi-Fi. You can, because we're so nimble now with the the work from home or the remote working, you can still work on the train. So you can can take that extra time that you may uh, not have been able to do before the pandemic when you had to be in the office. So you could take the train. The other thing I think is interesting is Ontario is also offering a tax credit for people that choose to stay. And that's, I think it could be uh, $200 for a $1,000 trip. So I do think there's motivation for us to stay here in Ontario and explore a bit more. I mean, we always talk about the Niagara region, but it's getting bigger and better. The food, the trains, the go trains are starting up again now that you can take to Niagara with your bike, by the way. So that's a really great thing for people who want to be active. I think, too... If we go back to the flights and wanting to see your friends and family, I say this too all the time, be a bit more flexible, but insurance and 
downloading the airline app, it's really actually quite useful to be connected directly to the airline itself rather than a third party, maybe booking engine that's a bot. The former COO of Air Canada said that Air Canada and WestJet have been offering refunds. Do you know if that's true? Yes, their policies have been more flexible and they have been offering uh, better options, but it's, it's not 100%. And so, yes, I would say it's true, but I would also say it's false, you know, in that they're not offering a lot of solutions for people who are really stuck. We're still hearing stories about moms with their kids sleeping on the floor at the airport because they missed their connection and then they won't put them up in a hotel. I mean, these are things that, that, the, that the airlines really have to think about because one story like that could, can affect, uh, it's a ripple effect and no one's going to want to travel with their families this summer if, if that's the case. So I would say it's true, but it's also not good enough. Vivian, anything else you want to leave us with? Still travel, please. I, 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 you know, I love travel and I think it's one of the most important things we can do for ourselves to expand our minds. Okay, Vivian Vassos, thanks so much. Thanks, Livy. That was Vivian Vassos, executive editor of Zoomer magazine. I'm Libby Snymer and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a novel approach to finding the cause of Alzheimer's disease. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, bringing you vital information to boost your health, your finances, and your rights. Find out more at carp.ca. For more than two decades, neurologist and medicinal chemist Donald Weaver has been pursuing a novel approach to Alzheimer's disease. He believes it is actually an autoimmune disease, and that theory has now won him the silver Oscar Fisher Prize worth $400,000 U.S. I talked to him about his research. We have always read and heard that Alzheimer's is caused by those amyloid plaques. What made you look in a different direction? That's exactly what we've been doing for the last 20, 30 years is looking at these plaques uh, of beta amyloid. And despite a huge amount of effort having gone into studying these plaques, no meaningful drug, no meaningful therapy has ever emerged from that. And when you're met with failure after failure, you have to start thinking in different directions. Uh, And that is what motivated us to do exactly that. Um, I like to say we're thinking outside the clump. (laughs) <laughs> rather than as where the clump is is an aggregate of beta amyloid. What made you look in this particular direction, or was it trial and error? Did you try a bunch of things before landing here? We started off by um, large-scale computer simulations, actually. We took beta amyloid and some proteins and peptides that were involved in, in Alzheimer's disease, uh, put them all in the computer above a neuron and and hit go and let them twitch and turn and do what they do. And as we studied this process, it occurred to us that they were behaving just like a peptide in the immune system would do. And so we decided to turn our direction towards the immune system. What was the evolution till you said, aha, your aha uh, moment? Yeah, that, that aha uh-huh took a couple of years. <laughs> 
um, it did take us a while because, you know, it's entrenched thinking that, that Alzheimer's disease is primarily a disease of the brain. There are lots of known risk factors for Alzheimer's disease. Um, certainly if one has repetitive head trauma, you know, you've had your head hit multiple times, uh, we appreciate that, um, other illnesses like diabetes or obesity, lots of these things are, are risk factors. And, and more recently, um, work out of the UK suggested that a certain bacteria in the mouth may also be implicated. And so, you know, you, you said, Nico, well, these are really very, very different. Um, what, what is the, the common thread which sews all this together? And the common thread is the immune system. So that if you hit your head, um, the immune system is there to help repair any damage that might be done. If you have bacteria that happen to get into your brain or are wandering through your brain, the immune system is there to fight them off and, and to protect you. And so the, the common thread, as I mentioned, is, is the immune system. And so the way that we look at it is, is that um, when uh, an event occurs that would turn on the immune system, the immune system is indeed turned on in the brain. And once again, beta amyloid plays a role, but here it is a normal part of the immune system. Uh, and the, the centerpiece of, of our argument is that when beta amyloid gets turned on to do its normal job, um, as part of the immune system, which is what is exactly its normal job? Oh, okay. Its normal job um, is what we call antimicrobial. It's there killing off bacteria, okay. uh, and and it's been well demonstrated that um, this beta amyloid. In fact, if you if you sprinkle beta amyloid on bacteria, it's it's death to bacteria. It kills them. Uh, unfortunately, beta amyloid cannot tell the difference between a bacterium or you know, bacteria and brain cells. And so when it starts to go into kill mode, um, you know, thinking it's killing bacteria, in fact, what it does is, is it starts to kill uh, brain cells. Uh, and this then becomes autoimmune, the immune system actually turning on the host, turning on the body in which it is located because uh, the beta amyloid gets confused, thinks it's killing a bacteria, whereas it's really killing our own neurons. What does this do? One of the things I've always heard about Alzheimer's and preventing it is what's good for the heart is good for the brain. What's bad for the heart is bad for the brain. Exactly. And that that is good uh, advice, and, and that still holds true for multiple reasons. Um, if you decrease blood supply to the heart, you get a heart attack. If you decrease blood supply to the brain, you get a stroke. Uh, and decreased blood supply is another one of these triggers which can turn on uh, the immune system. Uh, the other important issue here is cholesterol. Um, the ability of beta amyloid to, to kill cells uh, like brain cells, uh, it's able to do it much more efficiently if there's cholesterol in the, in the membrane on, on the surface of, of the brain cell. And so a high cholesterol level increases the likelihood that one is going to suffer the negative consequences of beta amyloid and perhaps get Alzheimer's disease. However, what it does imply is that some of the techniques which were used to discover drugs for other autoimmune diseases, they can be brought over and brought to bear on, on Alzheimer's disease. So if it's the immune system, your immune system is really tightly regulated. 
Um, your body, you know, is there monitoring what the immune system does, uh, and it uh, ramps it up if it's not working hard enough and turns it down if it's working too hard. And so how does your body turn down the immune system uh, in the brain? Can we take that and exploit that? We're still at this process. We're still plugging away at it. Um, you know, are we going to have a drug in a year? No, it's going to take a few years yet. Many years? Well, you, you know, to, to work in the area of Alzheimer's, you have to be pathologically optimistic um, <laughs> because we, we thrive on failure. Um, and um, uh, I suffer from the flaw of being pathologically optimistic. Uh, I would like to think that within about four years, we would have a drug. Dr. Donald Weaver, congratulations and thank you so much. Well, thank you. That was Donald Weaver. He just won a $400,000 Oscar Fisher Prize for his work on Alzheimer's disease. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.